Welcome. This is the weekly podcast of Westminster Christian Church. Each week, Pastor Patrick Kamler illuminates the Word of God in a way that's fun, fresh, and engaging. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I have good news for all of you this morning. You have survived 100% of your worst days. Maybe not by much. I didn't say degrees. I just said you survived it. Good job. It's important to know that. I know that may sound, well, okay, yeah, I'm still here. Whoopee. But that's important to realize, especially as we kind of get into what we're talking about today, because I, I reiterated that our first two weeks in this series were going to be the foundation that we build everything else on. So when we got into our series, Quit, we talked about we we're going to quit being reactive and we were going to quit letting fear control us. And those two things are the, the bedrock on which we're going to build and we have been building over the next few weeks. Because if you are able to get out of being reactive to everything and, and having a snap reaction to everything that happens, but more being responding to things, it means you take every thought that you have, every feeling captive and make it submit to Christ. And then that is how you negotiate going through life. Have you been 100% at this the last couple of weeks? Probably not. But your percentage has probably gone up, I would imagine, if you've been taking this seriously. And we also don't let fear guide us, so we're not making fear-based decisions. And if you weren't before, good. But it's a good reminder that that's not how you want to operate, especially if you are going to live a life of faith. So we're continuing to build upon that. And when you continue to build upon that, the next thing that we talked about was giving up short-term thinking. So when you're not living reactively and when you're not letting fear guide your decisions, short-term thinking becomes easier to dispatch with. So if those things are, are moving and you're moving in a good progression, then that's going to make, I think, the next thing that we're going to deal with this week maybe just a little bit easier. And here's what we're going to talk about this week. This week, we're going to quit fixating on the future. Okay, so what does fixating on the future look like? Do you focus too much on what could go wrong in your life? Do you invent future problems that could go wrong in your life? Are you stuck on where you're going rather than being in the present moment? So remember I talked about living a life where you are trusting God for that next step. Then you trust God for the next step. Then you trust God for the next step. If you are fixated on the future, it becomes virtually impossible to trust God in that next step. Now, it's not short-term thinking, but it's relying on God to get you to where you want to go. I remember going back to you focus on all the things that could go wrong. I remember my first year as director of Royal Family. And I was probably getting close to number two on the list, but I started thinking about what would I do if this went wrong? What would I do if that went wrong? And a lot of them were plausible. But because of it's me, a lot of things started to get kind of fantastic. Well, what happens uh, if, if a meteor hits the camp? I would imagine if that were the case, I would have very little to worry about. The campsite is not that big. 
a meteor of any interesting size would probably just wipe us all out. And then camp is someone else's problem. But I realized, and, this, and even before I was director, this actually came to a, came to a head because I was, I gotten a forecast for rain that day. So me being kind of a strategist, something of a, well, I'm really a planner. That'd be, that's pushing it. So I started tearing apart our entire schedule and reworking it based on the rain that could happen at a certain time. I thought, okay, if rain comes in here, we have all this, we have all this squared away. And by the time I was done, the schedule looked absolutely nothing like it would have ordinarily been because the, the camp runs on a pretty, pretty tight schedule. The kids are here for a minute, then they're here, and then they're here. It, it, we were pretty, almost like a military camp, really, with how, how tightly we run the schedule. But any type of weather can, can mess with that. So I had this whole thing done, and I was going to present it to the director at that time and said, hey, I think this is the direction we should go. And I was halfway there, and I just got this sense. I, you know, God, I'm praying through this thing. like I, you know, I'm threatening to kind of tear the fabric of the camp and start over. And, and God stops me halfway there and says, just, just hold on for a second. Just tell her there's a plan in place, but don't lay it all out. We had that morning meeting, and I said, there's, there's something that we can do if the weather turns bad. And the weather ended up not only not really impacting the schedule, but it all worked out to where the rain happened while we were all inside doing things. And then when we were outside, it was fine. So at the end of the day, I didn't need to change a thing. There's like maybe one thing that had to be adjusted. But if I would have ripped up the schedule and the director would have allowed me to rip up the schedule that day because of all the things that could possibly happen. I was not fixated. I was not focused on what the day should be and how we could best love on the kids. I was fixated on the future. I was fixated on all the things that could possibly go wrong. And if I had moved forward in that, I, I, I don't know what that day would have looked like, but it would not have been a good day overall. I don't, I don't think. I, I believe that. I don't think it would have been a good day. Now, you can't ignore the future. You have to be aware that there are problems that can come, around, uh, come up. We talked about that last week. You get to pick your sacrifice. Okay, if you make short-term sacrifices, those can yield long-term benefits. If you are only thinking about today, really what you're doing is you're sacrificing the future. So it's all about balance. It's all about kind of finding that right calibration to where you're really in the spot where God wants you to be in order to live your life. And Jesus is not interested in blind loyalty. I don't know if you've ever thought that. I don't know if you've ever believed that. Well, isn't faith the confidence in, in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see? Like, yes, it is. But that's not blind loyalty. Blind loyalty is you are turning a blind eye to the faults and foibles of someone in order to stay with them. Jesus has no faults or foibles. Jesus lived a perfect life. That's part of the point. So when we follow Jesus, when we live step by step, when we follow him, when we are always looking to him, at the same time, Jesus also wants you to be completely aware. He wants you to have your eyes wide open. This is what it means to be a disciple. To know both sides of that. Because there were people who were all in. 
even in scripture, we hear about there are people who were all in, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus was not always welcoming and enthusiastic about the people who said that they were going to follow him. Does that sound hard to believe? You think, is that in your Bible? It is in your Bible, as it turns out. It didn't necessarily turn people away. That's not what I'm saying. But there were people who were willing to follow him because they had some other idea of what that meant. They were crafting some type of future that they thought following the Messiah meant, and Jesus was, here's a reality check. Here's what that actually means. There was one such person who was enthusiastic about following Jesus. In Luke 9, 57, he said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. We actually don't hear much about this person. All we hear about is they come up to Jesus and go, wherever you go, God, wherever you want to go, I will follow you. And Jesus' response to him was basically, I'm homeless. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure that you're in the right place to be able to do this? In verse 58, he says, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Following me won't be a nine-to-five job with benefits and a pension. Specifically that, I should say. There will be blessings, but they may not come in the form that you think they should. You might have this grandiose idea of what it means to follow me, but you're, if you're not following me step by step by step, you may end up disappointed. You may end up disillusioned you may end up following a God who actually doesn't exist. Because we can create Jesus in a way where he doesn't really exist and doesn't have those particular character traits. Well, God wants me to be rich. Well, how? Rich in blessings? Sure. Rich in bank account? Maybe. Is that the goal? His goal for your life? No. Unless he's like, now you can give to a lot of people. Now you can bless a lot of people with the resources that you have. I mean, that's, just one of, that's just one of many examples. But Jesus is talking about the cost of being a disciple. If we get too far forward, if we start fixating too much on what that could look like, or we start filling in our own blanks, that's, just, that's where the problems come in. We start filling in our own blanks. When we choose to follow God in our lives, a lot of the problems can come from that. If God has called you to do a certain thing, or God has called you to be something to somebody, then what we start to figure out is how that's going to happen. Now, there's some of that that's okay, and I'm going to go over that here in a second. But we start, we get to the point to where we just tune God out completely, and we start figuring out on our own. God calls you to this, okay? So it's my responsibility to figure out how we're going to get there, and I'm not going to listen to God in any way, shape, or form because I've already gotten the instructions. I've already gotten the destination at which we're going to go, so I'll figure out how we get there. And you're missing a huge chunk of it. So Jesus is talking about the cost of being a disciple in Luke 14, verses 28 through 30. And he says this. As he's been recalibrating some people on what it means to follow him. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? 
For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. If you came into my office and you said, I think the Lord has led me to sell all my stuff, sell my house, sell my car, sell my whatever you have, give everything to the poor and follow him. Because that's actually in scripture, by the way. And you ask me, do you think I should do that? We would have a long conversation. My answer would not be, well, yes. My answer would be, we need to talk about this, not because of all the stuff that you're jettisoning, but because I want to understand what exactly you think following him is going to look like. What is following Jesus looking like to you in that moment? Why is selling all your stuff and giving it away important in that moment? Because there's a lot of times where we feel like that, there, there are so many conceptions where we feel like when we follow Jesus, we have to check out on a lot of things. Like we have to check out our reason. We have to check out our common sense. We have to check out any kind of you know, spine or backbone that we might have because that's the, that's the cost of being a disciple. It's like, well, that doesn't say that anywhere. God gave you a brain. God gave you a spine. You should probably use some of them from time to time. I didn't mean to rhyme just now. It just happened. Perks of the job. Now, you need to know what that looks like if you are doing something like that or anything like that. Are you creating a future that doesn't exist or that doesn't make sense? Are you hearing something from God and then you are filling in all the rest of the blanks? Now, that's not always the problem. A lot of times what we run into is you might have something that you're looking a little far down. It's something you want to do. I won't even say it's necessarily spiritual. Maybe you want to, you know, I know losing weight's popular this time of year, but maybe there's something else that you wanted to do. You wanted to run a marathon. You wanted to write a book. You wanted to, you know, anything that would be a long-term plan. And then what happens is you never really kind of get around to it. There's always kind of something else that gets in the way. It's always... It's hard, it's hard to get to that. It's hard to get to that particular activity in your life. In the 2004 movie Collateral, Max is a cab driver who has this dream that he's going to start his own limo driving business. And as is demonstrated early on in the movie, actually throughout the movie, he's a very good cab driver. He knows the routes. He knows the town. He's very familiar. He's very good at that. And he has someone in his car, and he, he gets into a conversation with them, and he's talking about this limo business that he's doing. He's like, oh, this, this cab thing is just temporary. Just temporary until I get some things lined up, get some cars lined up, and then I'm going to do that and do my, my limo driving business. And we're all introduced to that at the beginning. Like, oh, that's, that's cool. That's cool. That's really cool. So then later, someone else gets into the car, and he talks about it too. Oh, this cab thing is just temporary. I'm just doing this for, for a little bit. And then the person in the cab asks the question, how long have you been doing this? He said, oh, about 10 years. I don't know about you, but 10 years is not temporary. 
particularly in employment. He's, he's stuck in this mode where he has this goal, but he doesn't know how to get from there to here. Because we mentioned, if, if you resonated with, I'll do it tomorrow, if you've ever said that to yourself, I'll do it tomorrow. Because tomorrow is, it's way out there. It's the next day. There could be anything in it. It's perpetual hope. The problem becomes, eventually, you reach a point to where you won't be able to do it. And it's the same thing with following Jesus. You're, Jesus has called you to a thing. Maybe you're in that thing right now. And maybe there's something else that's a part of it. And you're just feeling overwhelmed by it. You think, I'll get to it at some point. I'll get to it at some point. Get to it at some point. You can spend years thinking you'll get to it. You can spend years so fixated on the future that the present around you is suffering. You can be fixated on the future so much that you, you can't follow God to the next step because you're so focused on what's out there. We're all familiar with the story of Peter walking on water. He gets out of the boat. Jesus calls him to get out of the boat. He starts walking on water. Like, oh, pretty cool. What's he focused on? Focus on the next step. He's focused on Jesus, and he's focused on that next step. Because, look, if you're going to do something crazy like walk on water, you're not looking any farther than your feet and the guy who's calling you out. But what happens in Peter is he starts to see everything else around. He starts to see the thunder. He starts to see the, well, hear the thunder, I guess. He's going to be particular. He starts to see the lightning. He feels the wind, and he sees this, the fact that he's in a storm, and, and oh my God, he's walking on water. He gets fixated on the future. He gets fixated on what could happen, and he starts to sink. And when Jesus pulls him out, he says, why did you doubt? Well, he did it for a minute, but when he took his eyes off that next step, when he started fixating on the future, when he started looking to something other than Jesus, that's when he started to sink. And when we get away from Jesus, when we get away from that next step, when we start fixating on the future, that's when we start to sink, regardless of what we're doing. And yet it is that next step that we have to take. We have to keep constantly moving forward as a disciple of Jesus. As a follower of Christ, we have to consistently keep moving forward. doesn't mean that it's not going to be a lifetime thing. And it doesn't mean that you have to be at a certain place by a certain time. Because you'll always be moving forward towards something. You will always be advancing. You should always be advancing in your walk with God. Here's the thing that we all need to know. We all need to know this. We all need to hear this. God's plan for your life has an expiration date, just like you. Some of you are of the age where you can't possibly conceive that. It's all right. Some of you have just triggered your midlife crisis. 
That's okay too. A lot of times what happens is we're not overwhelmed. Well, we, we do feel overwhelmed. But a lot of it is that we're under plan. Because if God placed something in us, and as I said earlier, we try and figure it out on our own. Like We try to engineer the circumstances. When I felt like, well, I'm going to go, let me go back further. When I felt the call to preach, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Maybe I still don't. But I was starting from zero with no understanding of, of how to do things. And the best advice I got was from the pastor at my church that time, where I went up to him and I said, look, this is going to sound kind of nuts. He thought, try me. I've heard nuts before. He said, I feel like God's calling me to be a preacher. I have no idea what to do with that. I have no idea where to start with that. What do you recommend? He didn't say, well, the first thing you should do is get into debt and go to school. He said, the first thing you should do is start where you are. You feel called to preach? Okay. Find opportunities where you can get up in front of people and do stuff. Find opportunities where you can get in front of people and talk about the Bible, talk about God, and keep learning it. Because when I was called to preach, I was not a biblical expert by any stretch of the imagination. But you start where you are. You take that next step. And then you keep taking those next steps. When the time came to where I felt like I needed to increase my education, because I wanted to make sure that if I was going to do this, I was going to be equipped as well as I could possibly be so that I could bring my best to the people that I served. So we started looking at seminaries, and my wife helped me out with this immensely. We started looking at, okay, where are all the places I can go to school? And then we rolled some of them out because some of them were too long, some of them were too expensive, some of them were denominations that I wasn't going to learn anything from. But we trusted God in each of those steps. So when you feel like you're overwhelmed, you may just be underplanned. There's two ways to get around that, and I've already been kind of talking about this. The, the first step of it is to reverse engineer it if you can. You start from the back and maybe work your way, uh, work your way back to are. Start at the end and work your way back to where you are. When I produce television shows, that's how I start. Like I start with, okay, here's the end result. Here's where we want to be. Here's what I have to work with. And then I work back from there so that I know exactly how much time I'm playing with, how much time I need to fill. If there's things that I need to put in extra, then I can do that. Now that's not going to work for every single thing that you do, but that is one way to which you can not be overwhelmed by the end result or by the end goal or by the end product. And then figure out step one and do step one.
Running a marathon? Go for a jog. Or a walk, in my case. Start there. Start where you are. Writing a book? Just start writing. It will probably be awful that first time you write if you write. Just write something. Because when I became more convinced that this is where God was leading me, that's when I started to, okay, if I need to take my education more seriously. So I went through that process as I was talking about. Did you take that next step? I didn't look at when I was, when I was uh, approved for seminary, I didn't look at, okay, well, I looked at 74 credit hours that I needed for my master's. But I didn't think about the classes I was going to take all at once. I didn't think about the 500 pages that I was going to write over the next three and a half years. Because I'm out right there. Like, I didn't think about all that. Take the first step. I'm going to show up on campus. I'm going to say hi to everybody. <laughs> There's an assignment. Okay, let's let's focus on that assignment. You take that next step. One fixed on the future. I understood what the goal was. I didn't stay stuck there to where I felt so overwhelmed that I wasn't going to do anything else. You plan that course of action. And then what you do is you keep following God in that course of action. You count the cost. You figure out, this is what it's going to take. And the most important thing that I am going to have in this plan is that I'm going to continue to follow God and to take that next step. Because there's going to be times where that next step isn't quite as clear as you want it to be. There's going to be a couple of those where you're going to take a step and, boy, I sure hope there's something there. You've seen Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. You know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, ask your parents. I know it's an old movie now. Sometimes that step isn't quite clear. That's where faith comes in. That's where you count the cost. That's where you recognize, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. And this path, even though, even if I make mistakes, because you, you will probably make mistakes on this path. Even if I make mistakes, even if I miscalculate, even if I get myself in a little too deep, and while I was doing all this stuff, I was in a little too deep. You're still moving forward. You're not inventing excuses on why you can't do it. You're not always coming up with reasons. Oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll pick some other time. You're moving forward and you're doing it. And you're following God in the process. Because then you aren't terrified of the future. You have a plan in place. You can alter it when you need to. And then when we rely primarily on the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will continue to get through 100% of your worst day. Thanks for stopping by to hear this week's message. But we'd love to see you next week. We meet every Sunday morning at 1030 with discipleship groups at 945. This has been this week's Westminster Christian Church Podcast. Have a great week. See you next time.